Well, here at Batting 1000, we are nearing the end of season one. We've had incredible guests ranging from the CEO of a major industry publication to the host of a nationally syndicated radio show to sought after economists and more. If you missed some of the season, don't worry. We'll be sharing highlights from these conversations and others during our upcoming season one replay, where we'll listen to and dissect our favorite moments from all of season one before we enjoy a brief off season ahead of season two. Speaking of which, we need your help to build our lineup. If you or someone you know should be Dale's next guest on Petting 1000, let us know at dalevermillion.com forward slash listen or by emailing our team at listen at dalevermillion.com. Um, I, it's, it's difficult to juggle all the different places and styles that we communicate in now, uh, nowadays, but it's extremely important to be where the audience is. And that's something that also comes over to our, our media business and make, we can't just be a newsletter company. We can't just be an events company. We need to be in the business of knowledge, in the business of audience and go where that audience is. And for segments of our audience, that's social. For segments of our audience, that's newsletter. For segments of our audience, that's direct to housingwire.com or realtrends.com or reversemortgagedaily.com. For others, that's our events. And uh, so we, we have to be where the audience is. And th that's a communication skill that can play so widely in so many different roles and professions. And um, even in your home life, um, I'm a, I recently joined a, uh, an executive group, right? get more exposure to other peers um, that are building businesses and other entrepreneurs. And I think one thing a lot of professionals uh, don't think about as often is how important is communication in your personal life as well. I think there's a lot that, that I'm working on that other executives in my network are working on how to communicate better to their spouses and kids and, and parents. It's uh, communication is really like probably going to be my most important personal and professional focus in 2022, but something I've been working on for, for over a decade. You're listening to Batting 1000 with Dale Vermillion, where heavy hitters from mortgage, real estate, and business share their secrets for lasting success. With your host, award-winning sales strategist and industry icon, Dale Vermillion. Hey guys, Dale Vermillion here with you for Batting 1000. And uh, as you know, uh, this, this podcast is dedicated to bringing the heavy hitters of the mortgage and real estate industry. And I am so honored and so proud to say that we have got a really, really great guy today that I'm going to have a chance to sit down and talk with. Uh, really heavy hitter. His name is Clayton Collins. Clayton, come on down. We are so glad to have you here today. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Dale, thank you for having me. You and Jake are both far too kind with your kind words and the invitation to join you today. I, I couldn't be more honored and excited to join you and speak with your audience and clients and all the folks who have followed you for advice and knowledge over the years. Well, Clayton, we appreciate that. You know, you, uh, your, your reputation precedes you, but I'm just going to mention a few things so people know. I, I know everybody knows who you are, but we'll just mention so they've got it. You are the CEO of Housing Wire Media, and uh, which I believe is the greatest publication in the entire real estate and mortgage industry. You guys are, are just leading cutting edge when it comes to getting information out there to mortgage professionals, to real estate professionals, and to the financial industry at large to help them understand what's happening. Uh, you've got a lot of background before that, though. You also are uh, I understand the managing partner of IMR Capital, uh, which is one of the owners that bought uh, HW, Housing Wire, and uh, the media team. And previous to that, you were actually in the business. You, you worked for RBC for a while. You were with Citibank for a while uh, in senior VP positions and vice president positions. So you've got a lot of background in that, and I'm sure that's helped you. And what I want to start with today is I want to just, you know, you're, you're, a, you're an incredibly 
uh, successful guy at, at a young age who's done a lot of things, who's accomplished a lot of things and been around a lot of people. I would love to hear a little bit from you about just a little bit of the story for the audience of kind of your upcoming through the mortgage industry, the things you've learned and gleaned and just, you know, kind of what got you where you're at today and, and what gave you the motivation to start Housing Wire and lead that up as the CEO? Well, Odell, I can tell you after um, having three kids under the age of five and uh, almost six years in the mortgage media business, I don't feel so young anymore, but <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a fast path. Um, yeah, yeah. So I started my career in financial services. I kind of often joke with my my team and folks around here that I, I, I'm I'm just a banker uh, helping media professionals uh, grow a media company, and I've always seen my highest and best use at HW as being recruiting, developing, and retaining the the best business media professionals we can to to serve our audience of of housing professionals and, and all of our verticals and real estate and mortgage and servicing and and capital markets and title and valuation. Like our our North Star mission is moving markets forward for those professionals. And uh, and like I said, as a as a former banker, I, I joke that hey, I'm I'm not the guy who's gonna to cover the articles and and uncover the news and develop the source relationship but I will do the best thing, the best that I can to recruit and give the people that can do that extremely well all the resources they need to serve the audience of, of housing professionals that, that we care so much about. So um, that, that's what I see my greatest roles being here. Um, but my path def definitely is a little bit unique. I, I started it at Citigroup and I mean, I was uh, start started right in the middle of financial crisis, which, um, you know, can be looked at as a positive or, or a negative thing for, for me and my professional development turned out to be extremely positive. So in, in, in 2008, at the age of 23, I was managing a, a retail branch in, in Midtown Manhattan with, with more employees than I was years old. Um, I hosted a retirement party for, for an employee when I was 23. That's something that like I ne never thought I'd be doing. Uh, but uh, that, that early leadership experience um, and arguably what was one of the most stressful times and, and hopefully that I'll ever see in my professional life in the financial system um, was extremely developmental and something that's definitely charted the course for the way that I try to lead today and the way I look at business and opportunities and progress and momentum and risk. And uh, so pr yeah. pretty defining uh, experience at a relatively early stage in my career. You know, I love how you parse that out, that even in the toughest times you go through in this industry, there is so much to be learned. Um, and those who really pay attention and learn from that end up going into you know, great careers in the mortgage arena and the housing arena. Let me ask you a question because we're, we're talking about leadership here uh, for just a minute. Tell me from your perspective, you've been a leader for a long time. You, you were promoted at a high level at a young age. Um, what do you think, if you were to look back and say what the number one principle or the number one thing from a leadership standpoint that you feel is the single most important thing that leaders today could really learn from you or could should be putting into their leadership repertoire, what would that thing be? So that developmental experience at, at City and something that's kind of continued through my my professional career at Royal Bank of Canada and, and launching Remar mm -hmm. and now HW it is communication and that that's communication yeah. um, to to your team uh, from the day you're recruiting those folks how you communicate the story and the mission and the vision and the role and the responsibility to your your current team members and making sure they understand the direction you're headed mm -hmm. the goals, the, the incentives, the, the challenges and the opportunities, 
reiterating those again and again and again, and then also managing up. I have an investor group and a board and folks that, uh, you know, that I need their support. I need their continued support year in and year out. And that ultimately is it ultimately is another communication game and communication challenge. So I, I think one of the things that I developed early and one thing that I that I still look to, to, to coaches and, and peers for support on is how to be a better communicator, communicating the things that your constituents need to know. Not too much. You don't want to stress people out about the things that they don't need yeah. to worry about, but understand the things that they need to know, the things they need to know to do their job well. And that, that's one of my biggest focus areas um, as, as a leader. I love that. You know, it's, it's funny because I talk about the importance of, of consistent communication constantly in the corporate arena. And it is probably the biggest lag or missing piece that I see is managers just stay in their in their cocoons and they don't get out and they don't really get their teams understanding the vision of where they're going. So they can vision cast out and see where that's headed. Give us a little bit, help, help the audience understand a little bit when you talk about uh, consistent communication with your people and making sure you're both communicating down and up. And I love how you talk about both the downward and upward spiral because it goes both ways. Um, what are some of the, the strategies and techniques that you would recommend a leader in the frequency of that communication? What are just a couple of, of golden jewels that they can take that would help them in communicating their teams in a better way, no matter what level you're at, whether you're a mid-level manager, you know, you're a, an S level, you're a C level, doesn't matter. It all applies the same way. What are some of those things? This is the first time I've kind of drawn this analogy, but I, I know in, in sales and in mortgage origination and in real estate, we, we talk often about communicating with your referral sources and your past clients and your, and your, your future prospects, and you have to be where they are. So a lot of times in the mortgage and real estate world that comes like, hey, are you on, on Facebook and, and TikTok and are you doing Instagram reels and are you sending out emails to your database and are you attending local events? As a leader, you have to think about those same things. Like, where are your constituents? Where, where is your audience? So when I think internally, I have to go where my team communicates. And uh, our internal tool awesome. at Housing Wire, like we, at HW Media, like we're, our team's on Slack all day. That's how they're communicating with each other. That's how they're um, managing projects. That's how they're managing workflows. That's how they're doing the, the modern version of water cooler chat. So there's certain things that need to be communicated in, in, in that medium. There's other things that are more appropriate for email. There's other things that are more appropriate for the virtual town hall. And there's other things that are more appropriate when you, when you bring everybody in and we're based in Dallas. 50% of our team is distributed across the country. Now we're bringing everybody in on the second week of December to, to do a holiday party and have some team meetings. There's other things that are just more yeah. important to communicate in person. So it's finding the right medium for that message, but then being consistent across, across the mediums and, and also being consistent across your management team and executive team to make sure that just not just the CEO, but also your, your directors and division leaders have the, have the same message, same approach, the same strategy. And, and that's kind of the, the internal look, the investor group, the board, um, your clients, your, your partners and industry peers, like all, all different channels. So um, I, it's, it's, difficult to juggle all the different places and styles that we communicate in now, uh, nowadays, but it's extremely important to be where the audience is. And that's something that also comes over to our, our media business and make, we can't just be a newsletter company. We can't just be an events company. We need to be 
in the business of knowledge, in the business of audience and go where that audience is. And for segments of our audience, that's social. For segments of our audience, that's newsletter. For segments of our audience, that's direct to housingwire.com or realtrends.com or reversemortgagedaily.com. For others, that's our events. And uh, so yep. we, we have to be where the audience is. And th that's a communication skill that can play so widely in so many different roles and professions. And um, even in your home life, um, I'm a, I recently joined a, uh, an executive group, right? get more exposure to other peers um, that are building businesses and other entrepreneurs. And I think one thing a lot of professionals uh, don't think about as often is how important is communication in your personal life as well. I think there's a lot that, that I'm working on that other awesome. executives in my network are working on how to communicate better to their spouses and kids and, and parents. It's uh, communication is really like probably going to be my most important personal and professional focus in 2022, but something I've been working on for, for over a decade. <laughs> and with three kids under five, you really got to work <laughs> yes, yeah. on that side of it. So you'll learn how to communicate well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and logic does not work. <laughs> I love it. Well, look, you, you unpacked a whole bunch of really powerful stuff there. I loved how you talked about consistency. I loved how you talked about knowing where your audience is at and meeting them where they're at. So important. And then defining the communication method. And I'm sure you'd agree to this. In today's world, we've got so many people working from home. We've got disconnected, you know, sales forces, operations teams, support staff, administrative staff. We've got all this disconnect happening in today's business world. Would you agree that communication has never been more important than it is right now? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Communication has always been important, but yep. the, the flood of information and flood <laughs> of the good and the bad and the distractions and the, the entertainment and everything else that, that hits everybody nowadays, consistent communication has probably never been more important. I think there was a, a day where a leader, whether yep. it was a politician or a CEO or the head of a household could say something once and that message would carry. I think that's a very hard strategy to to hinge on nowadays there. I think there's a an increased focus on saying it once and saying it again and saying it again and saying it again to reinforce and saying it again to add more detail. And that that consistent flow of information, whether it's in the same medium or multiple mediums, I think that is what we can say, Dale, is more important now than ever. Awesome. Awesome. Love that. So let's talk for a minute. You guys just had your annual conference. Congratulations. Yeah. It, it, it was a, a huge success. Um, and I'm sure that there was a whole lot of uh, great information exchanged during that. Give us a couple of tidbits. If you, as you look down the road at 2022, 2023 and beyond, you know, the market's shifting. I, I'm, I'm right now spending a lot of time with my clients on really working them through a rising rate market, this inventory, you know, riddled uh, purchase market that we're in, these, these, you know, inflated values. I mean, there is a whole bunch of moving parts right now that we're helping clients understand how to work through and succeed in and, and be able to balance those and kind of create in all of that, all of that friction, how to make it much more succinct so that it's working. Give us a couple of the principles or a couple of the things that you heard and you saw talked about during that conference that you think are really key things that originators and lenders need to be thinking about going into these new marketplaces and the economy that we're in today. Yeah. So um, 
I, I wouldn't advocate for anyone to have three kids under five. I also wouldn't advocate for <laughs> to, to host an in-person event on the on the tail end of a pandemic. Um, hopefully, tail end is, is true. The st stress points all all over the place. I think we had to uh, iterate our our strategy and our policy more more times than I could ever want to uh, <laughs> ever wanted to do. Couldn't be more excited for 2022 uh, when we're hopefully in a much more normal environment where. Where, where everyone's comfortable getting on the road and taking off yeah. the, the mask and and crowding in a room and doing the networking and community and all the stuff that we all value and, and desire so much. But our I'll, I'll come back to to the event now. So our, our 2021 Housing Wire Annual is our first person doing Housing Wire first time doing Housing Wire Annual as an as an in person event. We we launched Housing Wire Annual in 2020 and in, in, the, in the heart of, of COVID as a, as a virtual event. Um, our strategy, our vision was that there's amazing events across the housing landscape and in, in mortgage and real estate and in, in, in coaching and title like there, there's something for everyone. But what there isn't in what we're trying to build is something that brings everyone together. So we, we love going to the NBA Our half our team was out at, at NAR last week, We've been at a dozen other conferences and in Q3 in the beginning of Q4. But what we really want to do is create an environment that brings together all things housing. So something that brings together the real estate brokers and yeah. team leaders, the origination leaders and the, the, the lending and IMB CEOs, the, the valuation experts, the title company leaders, the folks that are building the next generation of the housing market. And, and that is what we're seeking to do with, with Housing Wire Annual. So this year was V1. We brought to get, brought some amazing content to the stage. I, I have to say our, our content team um, really hit it out of the park. And that's something I, I guess you should expect from us. I'd say if we have one core competency, it is it is content and bringing the, the right yeah. people to the, to, to the conversation. Um, but the topics kind of continually reiterated a point. So we, we'd have a session on, on, on servicing, but the conversation would flow into uh, origination products and capital market demand. We'd have, we'd have a session on cybersecurity, but it would flow into pressures on closing timelines and uh, valuation concerns on, on getting loans closed on, in a certain amount of time, which, which flowed right into the topic at hand of, of cybersecurity. So what ultimately was being highlighted is when there's pressure points on certain parts of the, the, the housing flow from whether it's a lack yeah. of inventory to taking too long to get an appraisal, to, to taking too long to close a loan, to maybe a rising rate environment. Th those, those pressures put um, concern or, or uh, overemphasis of focus in certain areas, which creates weakness in other parts of the market, which is why the all things housing theme is incredibly important. We can no longer think of the housing world in just the silo of mortgage origination or just the silo of what real estate agents want to tell you is happening in, in inventory. We have to connect all the dots. We have to think about what's happening in new home construction. We have to think about how new home prices and existing home prices are going to drive home buyer um, demand and home owner interest in, in selling or, or upgrading or, or refining. And then all of those factors will flow into how we have efficient servicing and secondary markets. And uh, so the theme that kept coming up is no matter how, how hard we tried the focus of speaker or a panel or a session in a particular area, 
the dots kept getting connected. The, the web was yep. being woven and uh, it's an incredibly interconnected housing economy. And that's what's most exciting to me about it. And that's what we really hope that we can do at HW Media is better connect to the information and audiences and communities that will ultimately connect a more efficient and uh, sustainable and profitable housing economy because if we stay siloed, I, I'm really concerned about our industry's ability to continue forward with the leaders that are in place today. That, that, that means that the disruptors will come, they, they, they are hungry for the market yeah. share. Um, if, there's, if you talk to a venture capitalist right now about why they are interested in real estate, three letters come up, TAM, 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 tangible, addressable market. There are very few markets and very few segments of our economy where the profit potential is as large as housing. That puts a massive yeah. bullseye on our industry's back. And I say our industry, because I care about the professionals that are, that are in this today. I wanna see the lenders that are out there working hard, serving homeowners, working real estate agents, innovate and also be the lenders that are successful in, in 5, 10, 20, 50 years. Um, same with the real estate side. I know there's going to be change. I, I know there's going to be evolution. I know there's going to be uh, innovation and disruptors. But I think that the players who've been building and learning and serving homeowners for, for, for decades have an opportunity to really look at the interconnected nature of our housing economy and, and be the future that they really aspire to be. So this is where HousingWire plays such an incredibly powerful role within the marketplace for all of the, the lenders that are out there and all of the, the housing professionals in that I love how you talked about the holistic mindset. You know, don't don't live in the silo. And this is a common mistake I see. You know, this is my four, fourth decade in the mortgage industry. I'm going to be on next year. I've seen so many changes over the year. And what I've seen recently in the last couple of years that continues to be a trend is and part of this is because of the society that we're in, the work from home, all the things go with it, but everything's becoming very siloed where we're only thinking about our role or our company or our position and not looking at the bigger picture of it and say, wait a minute, how's this all connect together with everything out there? And unless you understand how the rest of the markets relate to your position, your company, your philosophy, your culture, and what you're doing, you never really have the kind of success you're looking for ultimately. It really is understanding the connectivity between all those pieces because what happens in the real estate industry affects what happens in the mortgage industry. What happens in the mortgage industry affects what happens in the housing industry. And it, it just circles all the way through. And, and, and I love the point you made about that, that that is one of the key things that we've got to be mindful of is understanding that entire picture and connecting those dots together. And I, and I don't want to paint, like, say this is all motherhood and apple pie and that we're, we're, we're in this together. It's competitive. Like the, right. the competition sure. has, has already started and it's been going on for the full four decades that, that you've been in, in the space. So if you look at any of the publicly traded real estate brokerage companies, you'll see where the profit comes from. The mortgage industry yep. loves to talk about our real estate agent partners and, and, and broker partners. Profits coming from mortgage origination and title and, and other services. And you look across the, the next generation of consumer direct or digital first mortgage lenders, you're starting to see those, those service offerings, those non-core service offerings pop up. So there's folks that want to be in brokerage. They're playing with their own iBuyer models. They, they, they've had yep. title insurance for, for years. Um, they're making aggressive moves to bring appraisal and valuation in-house, whether that's managing appraisals directly 
or using automated or tech enabled uh, AI enabled models. So like the, the industry is you, you look at the, our, the two big sides of, of real like real estate uh, agents and brokers and independent mortgage banks or mortgage bankers, and you see them spreading their wings, diversifying their their revenue sources, um, one out of business opportunity and, and two out of client service. There there's ever the phrase end to end has been front and center for, for quite a while. And um, yep. this market 2020 and 2021 with a flood of a amazing refi volume that replenished the coffers and put some cash in operators hands gave them an opportunity to really invest in some of those diversification and uh, tech enabled client service initiatives. And uh, so the it, it's playing out already like the, there's no one who's yep. just thinking about origination. There's no one who's just thinking about how many listings can I get? It's how do I run a profitable, sustainable, diversified revenue model business off of this consumer access that we have off of getting all of these listings or have off of being able to get consumer direct on the mortgage side? You know, that, that is that is such great advice right there. When, when you think about, you know, the one thing that I've learned in 40 years of nothing else is as the real estate market goes, the economy goes. That's typically what we see uh, when you look at economic numbers. And when you start to look at the connectivity between all these parts, the thing that we know that is true is, and you said a key word there multiple times, the word was diversity, that you've got to be diverse in your approach to the marketplace today. You know, good example you gave is the refi market. Okay. We've seen a boon in, in refi business the last two years. And, 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 all those lenders who are getting so caught up in just the refi side and not diverse enough to look at home equity, to look at purchase, to look at some of these other factors, you expose yourself to the, to the opportunity of having to make a quick shift that could be difficult. Same thing with you know your resources for originations. If you're working with real estate agents, that's a great resource, but you want to diversify to financial planners and CPAs and insurance agents and, and other parts of the financial services sector that can bring in that that business that you're looking for that makes it more diverse because if all your eggs are in one basket, you're in, you can be in serious trouble in these market shifts that we see. Where do you see the market going? So let, let's talk about the next year or two. You know, we're starting to see a shift more towards purchase with a little bit of change in interest rates. That's commonplace. We see that happen about every two to three years that you've got those major shifts. Where do you see the market heading? You guys are looking at these numbers all the time. You look at projections, you look at articles. Give us a little bit of insight on where you see 2022, 2023 and 2024 heading. If we really want to talk projections and and, and market trends, you, you got to have our, our lead analyst, Logan, Logan Motoshami on the show. Like a lot of what a lot of my insights are are informed by by Logan's analysis and experience. I, I respect his viewpoints absolutely on on uh, on our sector and i think as not being a uh uh a, a phd economist he he's willing to like take risk in, in different viewpoints that you don't always get um in the in the proper economic views um which is something that i uh that i respect deeply like like the risk he'll take and the calls that he'll make but he's also putting forward insights that are informed by industry knowledge, conversations with practitioners, not not just the numbers, but but supported by the numbers. So um, going back on that and coming back to your question, uh, what what I have my, my viewpoint on 2022 and, and where the market is going, and this was really informed by Logan, is that 
um, demographics is the is the key word. M more people turned 32 in 2020 than any time in history. Uh, more people turned 22, I'm sorry, 32 in 2021 than they did in 2020. And more people will turn 32 in 2022 than they did in 2021. That trend goes wow. on until 2024 or 2025. This is something wow. we all should have seen coming. Demographics are forecastable. This is not a surprise. These are not interest rates. They're not driven by the economy. They're not driven by COVID. Like the, those numbers of when people turn peak home buying age is something we should have been forecasting for, for decades out. So we didn't know we were gonna get this, this blessing of a refi market. We should have known that purchase demand was going to start blooming and blossoming and, and yeah. growing and, and continuing strongly. Um, now, there's parts of what happened in inventory that that are in consumer preferences that are influenced and driven by COVID, but we can get past that. We look forward to 2022. We know the demographics are there. We know that households are being formed. We know that more people, um, I, I'm back in the office. It looks like you're in the office, Dale, but a lot of people are going to be working from home. Um, whether it's yeah. five days a week or two days a week or three days a week, it creates different housing needs, housing needs that are preferable and favorable to the real estate and, and mortgage industry. More people will pursue larger homes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be 5,000 square foot mansions, but they might not be at a 1,200 square foot apartment anymore. They might be going to the 1,500 square foot starter home with at least a shot yeah. at, a, at a home office. Um, that, that's good for housing. Those demographic trends are, are powerful and they will continue pushing first time home ownership. But we're also seeing inflection points at the uh, the later stage of the market. So our, our seniors, our, our baby boomers who are approaching or, or in retirement, they are choosing to stay in their homes longer. They're choosing to, to age in place. So there is a need for our industry to be able to serve both the first time homeowners as, as well as the folks in retirement that are going to be thinking about how do I tap equity? How do I, can I afford this home in retirement? Do I need to refi? Should I think about a reverse mortgage? Um, do I want to relocate to Florida? Do I want to stay put in Ohio? Um, those, those decisions are being made at, in the retirement years at the same time as they're being made at the, um, at the front end of the market with first time home on, homeowners. And as seniors say, I want to stay in place longer and we have financing products that enable that it's going to create more pressure on inventory on the front end of the market for those first time home buyers. So we really need our uh, home building industry to create more inventory like it. And it's just not yeah. it's not a fast turn time project. We can't we can't say we need more inventory. See, in three months, it's, it's we need yeah. more inventory. See, in three years, uh, unfortunately, yeah. permitting materials, labor, all things that have never been harder. And uh, it's something that we really need the, the home building market to respond to. And, and that's fine. Like if we if we have pressure for a couple of years, as long as we see that industry starting to reflect the demands that our industry, our, our, our mortgage and real estate folks are going to need in, in three, five, 10 years to sustain, sustain a stable housing economy, but more importantly, put the necessary roofs over homeowners' heads, then, then I think we're moving in the right direction. But I think it's important that we're talking about this, this now and that that topic, that topic of, of inventory and supply and demand is getting airtime um, in the media, at events and in the boardroom. You know, it's, it's so interesting. I love what you talked about there because this is a common thing that comes out of my mouth. You mentioned both of, the, both of those, demand and demographics. To me, yeah. drive market better than anything else. You know, if you talk to the everyday originator, 
or you can talk to executives at uh, mortgage companies across the nation, the thing they tend to talk about the most is what are rates doing? What's happening with rates? That's going to dictate my future. And my response for 40 years has been, that has nothing to do with your future. Whether rates go up or go down, if demand is high and the demographics are there for your customers to be able to utilize a mortgage, you know, you look at next year, if, if rates go to three and a half next year, does that mean refis go away? No, that means rate and term refis go away, but cash out debt elimination refis are wide open. And you've got the demographics to back those numbers to say there is incredible opportunities for refinance next year if you just position for it the right way. And the same thing in the purchase market. Yes, you're right. The supply chain, there's not much we can do about it right now to fix it. But you've also got demographics where we've got new buyers wanting to come in where there's opportunities and inventory for them to get into. It just becomes a matter of helping them understand how to get a contract and how to win in negotiations when they buy a home. And this is this is where the role of originators and lenders has to start changing, where it's no longer about just bringing in order taking people who can just take an application, find out if you're approved. And if so, here's your offer. Let's hope we work together. It's no. We're actually going to advise you now as a customer on how to understand the market trends, how to understand the things out there, and then how to position yourself for success through a mortgage transaction that helps you as an individual, which helps the housing market, the economy, and everything around that. Any thoughts on any of that? It's, it's almost like we planned this, Dale. We're coming back to the, yeah. the topic of communication. Um, the the job right. is no longer, it's not rates go up, go sit on the sideline. It's rates go up and learn how to communicate. And uh, that there still yeah. is a refi market with a slightly high, in a slightly higher rate environment it just looks a little bit different. There still is a purchase market because people need homes. They're not going to say, I'll just live in my parents' house basement until the kids are six or seven and we'll figure it out. They need to be in a school district and they need, they need a house over their head. And um, uh, when, when my parents bought their first house, the rates were, were in the high teens. Um, guess what? They still bought the house and it was more expensive um, on a uh, on a dollar for dollar basis. But uh, the house got bought because they were forming a family and that's something that that needed to, to happen. Um, we are still I always like to when we talk about rising rates, go pull the um, the Freddie Mac uh, rate chart and show the, the 30 or 50 year trend line. And like we are at <laughs> historically low rates just because right. they're not 2.65 uh, because they're three, three and a half, whatever the heck they are. I don't even care. I don't even watch them every day. Like it's right. a um, historically low rates. Money has never been cheaper to buy homes, to buy businesses, whatever the heck you're buying. Rate rates are low right now, and um, I think that that's important to realize. A, a few bips movement in either direction, you know, it's gonna it's gonna move the, the the headlines on Yahoo Finance. It's gonna cause some stress to that first time home buyer who's been out there looking for homes. But the originator's job, the agent's job, doesn't mean you go put like hide under your your shell and for, it's like wait until rates come back to historic lows and start calling people again. It's communicate. Like what what does this rate environment mean for you? What's the opportunity? Maybe if some first-time home buyers are getting a little bit skittish, there's an opportunity for someone else who has a little more fortitude to come in and buy the house they, they really want. I don't know. Not my job to coach you on how to communicate. It's my job to make sure originators know the <laughs> importance of communicating and then leverage housing wire and real trends and reverse mortgage daily to know the trends that they need to be communicating on. Yeah, well, you know, one thing's never going to change. Homeownership is always going to be the American dream. It is what makes America, America. It's one of the things that separates us from other countries all over the world. 
Um, you know, I, I say this all the time when I speak, you know, you're never going to meet a fifth grader who says, when I grow up, I want to be a renter. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You know, even, even they're smart enough to know I want security, I want stability, and I want that roof over my head that I can count on. So we're in the, the, the best industry you can possibly be in. There's no question about it. It's a matter of understanding how to just morph into the marketplace you're in at the time. So I love that thought process, and, and I agree with you that communication is the key to all of this. There's no question about it. Yeah, I'll tell so, you. So, by the way, anecdote. go ahead, please. I'll tell you a little personal anecdote that'll probably get me in trouble. But one of my wife's friends, <laughs> her, her 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 husband, and their you know, family friends now, and kids play together. Um, strongly believes that homeownership is a bad deal. The think perpetual renter thinks that um, homeownership is a bad investment. Doesn't believe in mortgages. It's very hard for me to build a relationship with this guy. <laughs> My, our <laughs> fundamental beliefs are just so, so far apart. Um, but this this one's gonna um, make the next barbecue a little bit awkward. But, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm oh, you, I, I believe what you're saying on homeownership being the American dream. It is It is not just about wealth creation and property appreciation or the fact that we have a government that backs a 30-year fixed rate mortgage product at an incredibly cheap rate. It's about what homeownership can do for stability in a family, in your relationships, for your child's education. Um, there's just so many powerful parts about our housing economy. And uh, so at, yep. at Housing Wire, we, 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 you know, we, we focus on the financing of the transaction and the, the sale of, of real estate. But when you really like kind of drill down into the motivators in our team, you start to understand uh, how we feel about the values um, personally that homeownership brings to United homeowners in the United States. Yeah, well, you talked about the 50-year trend. I mean, I started a business in 1983, rated for 17.5% on a mortgage loan at that time. When we got to 1990, we were down to 15 and a half. When we got to 1995, we were down to like 6%. We thought it was raining free money. Like we, we, we thought we were we were in heaven at that point in time. Today, you know, it, you, you'll find a lot of people that, it, it, like you said, if that rate is any higher than two and a half, they're like, oh, I don't know if I can sell that. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Back up. It's at the end of the day, it's how you help that consumer to live the American dream. It's really what it comes down to. And there's so many ways to do that that are powerful. The reality is with two and a half percent product, you're not selling anything. You're just taking orders. Now, no. now it's like when you, when you really, um, people, the, the talented mortgage advisors get a chance to prove um, who really has talent. Yeah, very, very true. I've said it many times. Rise and rate market will expose your weaknesses very quickly. There's no question about that. So a couple final questions. Um, What's it like to be the CEO of an organization that is having to bring daily, constant news and updates? Give me a little bit of feel for what that must be like, because I can't imagine um, how much responsibility that has and how difficult that must be. Yeah, I mean, so when we acquired Housing Wire in 2016, the, the company had, had built a solid name for itself and a, and a large audience and a, and a great brand, but it was still only 14 people in Irving, Texas, like a very small uh, co company out here in the, you know, the, the, the middle of the country serving these big audiences that are pr primarily coastal in Orange County and the, in the Northeast and uh, kind of like to joke, well, we're just there's 14 people out here in Texas covering what we can. And uh, the, the organization has, has changed a lot since then. We, yeah. we surpassed 50 people this year. 
and um, and have expanded our, our product set and our audience. But ultimately, we're still a small business when you when you look across the types of companies that we cover that have thousands or tens of thousands of, of employees. Um, I, I bring that up because in media and any type of content org, uh, you can achieve a lot with a, with a relatively small number of people and have a pretty big voice and a pretty important seat at the table um, with with just 50 employees. Um, so sometimes it feels like I'm you know, running a small company, the same as our, our neighbors and friends who run landscaping businesses or whatever, like local market service company that, you know, you can great make make great money on, but you still kind of stay out of the spotlight. Um, running a media yeah. business is an incredibly front and center, um, high attention, high exposure type of business model. So um, when you when you ask about what it's like running a media company, um, it feels like I have pretty big shoes to fill every single day of the week. And uh, those shoes felt big in 2016 when we bought the business and they still feel big um, as we enter 2022 and um, we're no longer uh, 14 people. We're no longer a single brand. We have we have four media brands now: uh, Housing Wire, uh, Real Trends, which we acquired in 2020 from founder Steve Murray. Um, Steve still serves as an advisor today. Reverse Mortgage Daily, which we also bought in in 2020 from the gentleman at Aging Media up in Chicago, and um, uh, Finledger, which is a brand focused on fintech, bank tech, and sure tech that we launched organically. Uh, so our our, our day to day responsibilities have expanded a lot, and they'll 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 continue to expand. But that um, that same stress, those same like big shoes and like and, and high exposure feelings that you have every day. Those are also big motivators and, and big drivers. And uh, it's something that fuels our ability to keep achieving bigger and better things and, and recruiting great people. It, sometimes it, it blows my mind. Hey, we're just a couple of people down here in Irving, Texas, but we're able to recruit the best journalists and best media salespeople from across the country. And um, that's that's probably what, what makes me proudest. Always comes back to the people at the end of the day, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. It does. It really does. Well, you've done an incredible job with it. You've built an incredible organization. You've got a great team. And I know you mentioned Logan earlier, man. I would, I would, I would love to have Logan on this podcast. We'd love to have an opportunity to chat with him. I, I, I read his stuff all the time. Super, super smart, knowledgeable guy. Amazing insights into the marketplace. So for anybody who, who's not following him, they should, because he's one of the foremost authorities in the entire industry. Yeah. You have done a good job. And by the way, I, I wanted to say that I'm so honored and grateful to be one of the housing wire vanguards this year. That was maybe the, the greatest uh, um, thing that I've received for uh, an, an achievement in my career. I, I really do hold that with very high regard and, and honor. And I want to thank you for that. That's, uh, that's pretty cool that you guys do that. And I never thought I'd be part of that group, but it's fun to be part of it. You said it, you've been working in the industry for 40 years, um, advising folks and helping people all along the way. That, that, that impact is huge, Dale, and the industry is proud to have you in it. And we're proud to have you as a, as a housing wire vanguard. So, so thank you. Appreciate that greatly. So let me close on a, on a personal question here. Uh, twofold question, all right? You mentioned a couple times, three children under the age of five. So 26 years ago when I started my business, Laurel and I had three boys under the age of five. So I know right where you're at. And we didn't give it up. We had we had a girl after that. So we actually yeah. had four of them <laughs> that were under, you know, under the age of six or seven. So we're glutton for punishment. And I don't know what your future plans are, but two questions I have for you. And the first one is, um, how do you balance being a CEO and also managing a family and, you know, spending time with your children and doing those things? I know that's a question 
everybody is always looking for the answer to is how to create that life balance. And second, as a CEO, you mentioned earlier something that you're constantly growing and working on yourself as a CEO to grow both personally and professionally. Love to hear a little bit of some of the things you're doing to grow in those. If you give me a couple of those, uh, those tidbits, I think the audience would absolutely love to hear that. Yeah. So on the, on the balance side, um, it's balance is probably the, the right word for how any uh, ambitious professional should, should think about it. It's not a separation of church and state. It's not a separation of, of work and home. It's a, it's a balance between the two. So there, there's days here at the office where I'm juggle, juggling personal things and there, there's nights at home where I'm, I'm doing work. And it's a, it's, it's a balance of knowing how you can blend the two things that are most important to, to me in my life, which are my, my family and, and my business. That's those are the two things that I really put a lot of, of weight into. So it's not about like one stops here and the other begins here. It's they kind of blend together. And um, I mean, the, the, the tiny anecdotes like my my wife's now working part time for the business. So it's even more blended than it than it used to be. Now we're over dinner. We're talking talking about HW <laughs> um, more, than, more than we ever were. Uh, that's a barrier we probably should work on. Um, and, uh, I, and my kids think it's the f- most fun thing in the world to come to the office and put their greasy hands all over our glass, uh, walls and, uh, <laughs> and make a mess of it. But, uh, I, I love having them here. So, you know, it's a, it's a, a blend and a balance, not necessarily a, a stop and go. And certainly not something I've, I've perfected, but, uh, you know, something that, um, you work on and, uh, we're, five and a half years in our ownership of this business. I, I, I will say my, my balance is, is better today than it was five years ago. Um, you know, there's a few years where it was a, you know, a, a every 52 week a year, seven day a week grind. Um, you know, there's still, there's still those weeks, but you have, uh, as, as you mature as a leader and have, and probably more importantly, have a, a management team, an executive team that matures around you. There's a lot more that can be, that can be delegated, creating more balance for, for everybody. So, so that, that was a big inflection point for me of getting the, the right people around me. Um, the right people around you also goes to not just in employees and team members, but also uh, a peer group. So what, what I've been working on, um, personally to improve myself as a better professional and and leader in my my home life is spending more time with other executives that i admire the balance that they have found and and the in the professional success that they've found and and some of those are our local folks here in dallas happen to be in the industry have been um uh you know blessed to spend more time with with tom ferry since he's moved to since he's moved to Dallas and, and built a relationship there and he's, he's achieved a, a lot and has a lot of relationships that, that I admire. Um, I have yep. friends and executives outside of the mortgage and, and content realm here in Dallas that I, you know, get to, you know, get the families together with on weekends. And we, you know, you don't just, we don't actually, I'm not a big sports guy. So I'm more likely to ask you about how you've achieved personal and professional balance. than I am to talk about what the Cowboys did this weekend. So, <laughs> so uh, maybe that's a hint and also how the barbecue is going the weekend. Um, but uh, I, I do like to talk to other executives about how they are kind of achieving both personally and professionally what they do. And the, the one step I've made to like formalize those relationships is I, I did join uh, YPO this year, which has been a, a, a really positive investment in myself so far um, and uh, an organization that I'd, I'd certainly be happy to talk to any other entrepreneurs about if they were, were interested in joining. But that, that's been a really 
positive use of my time um, in 2021. I love that. Young Presidents Organization is an incredible, incredible organization um, that has made a major impact on CEOs and presidents all over. It's Young Presidents, right? Isn't that? The, yes, the, that's the correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, just an amazing organization. Um, I've known several people who've gone through that. And I love how you talked about the importance of just community there. And, and having having mentors, ha- having a community, having accountability, having other people you're learning from, both people that you work with and people that you admire. Sometimes that's just reading books from great authors that can teach you things. Yeah. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel in life. We yeah. don't have to figure this stuff out because people have already figured it out for us. We just got to be willing to listen to others and learn from them. And when you do that, incredible things happen in your career. And I think there's a I heard a a, a smart leader would say a few weeks ago that there's a there's a point in everyone's business where the the books are are helpful but they're no longer the roadmap and uh when, yep. a, when a business gets to a certain degree of of size and complexity there, there's no book that's going to solve your problem it might it might stir ideas but it's ultimately going to be conversations uh that that lead yep. you to the path or the the solution that you need and um, so I've, uh, I think I think that's a, like an Im- important to recognize, no matter where you are in your professional journey, is there there is there are very few blueprints for what most of us want to achieve. There there are blueprints yeah. and books that can advise or like like trigger ideas and, and trigger um, like like nuanced tools that you might be able to apply to the blueprint you're building, whether that's to build your origination business the way you want to build it or your real estate sales business the way you want to build it or the way you want to build a media company the way I want to build it. Um, there isn't a blueprint. So uh, but there are ideas that you can you can borrow and be yeah. influenced by and I, I think that that's something that I that I hinge on well and the opportunity to sit down with people who've experienced life they've done things they've yeah. accomplished and you can you can converse back and forth you can you can run ideas by them you can hear more about why they did what they did because just knowing what they did isn't enough you got to understand the why behind it because the why is always exactly. what drives everything we do so yeah it's very good well, Clayton, I, I want to tell you, we, we so appreciate you. We so appreciate Housing Wire. Sarah Wheeler has been a great friend um, to our company, too. And I've had a chance to spend time with her in podcasts and things. And, and she's just an incredible individual as, uh, you know, part of your team. And, and again, you know, the stuff that Logan put, I mean, just your whole team um, is amazing. So we're, we're so grateful and thankful that you guys are doing what you're doing, bringing information to uh, the housing industry that helps us understand kind of where the trends are going. This has been a great conversation. I, I just love uh, kind of tapping into your brain and, and getting some of that wisdom out of there. Really appreciate it. Any final thoughts or comments that you want to make as we kind of wrap up here or anything that we need to know or you want us to know about Housing Wire that yeah. uh, is helpful to you? Yeah, it, uh, I have one message. It's pr- pretty basic. If uh, we, We'd love for, for everyone that, that listens to, to Batting 1000 to, to join one of our newsletters. We, we publish Lending Life. It's a, a free newsletter for mortgage originators. Every day we publish Open House, a free newsletter for, for real estate agents and, and Housing Wire Daily, uh, which serves real estate professional or housing professionals and executives with, with five days a week uh, news and content and podcast. So, so join one of our complimentary newsletters. It's the best way to, to stay in the loop on what we're working on at HW Media and hopefully brings some information, some trends, some breaking news that helps you communicate more concisely, clearly and at an expert level to your clients and referral sources. So um, if I can ask anything, it's, it's join our newsletters, open them, read them, engage with us. That's, that's what we appreciate the most. 
Well, and I hope every single person listening to this does that because I couldn't imagine even doing what I do without housing wire daily. That's like, that's like, you know, fuel that, that starts my day every day. So that I kind of know what's happening in the trends. There's no way that we can be successful in this industry if we don't know what's happening in our industry. It's that connectivity that we talked about earlier, connecting those dots and making sure we know. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Uh, great spending time with you again, Clayton. Look forward to hopefully next time we'll see each other face to face. Our last couple of conversations have been by Zoom. So I'm, I'm hoping we'll get a chance to like, sit down and have a cup of coffee together here in the near future. I'm down. Let's go. Tell me, tell me when and where, and I'll be there. I'll be a couple of <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thanks again. God bless you. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you being here. Thanks for everything. Batting a Thousand is a production of Mortgage Champions, a company that's been transforming the people who transform companies since 1995. Have a suggested topic or guest? Contact my team on Twitter, that's at Dale Vermillion, or tweet us using the hashtag batting1000, that's hashtag batting1000.